You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. I want you to find someone in your area whoever that person is, and I want you to say to that person, I'm blessed that you are here. (sighs) What a joy to be in the presence of God. How many of you are happy that you're here? Come on, raise your hands. Praise God. Welcome to the feast, everybody. My name is Brother Audie Villaraza. In case you are a first-timer, if it's just your first time, can you raise your hand? Can we clap our hands for our first comers, our first time guests? After the feast, we want to invite you to go outside into the bridgeway because we'd love to connect with you. We want to give you a special gift and really welcome you to this beautiful spiritual family. I want to give a special mention right now to some very special group of brothers. I saw them over there on that side. Let me elevate a little bit. We've been talking about ever since the pandemic happened, you know, we mentioned a group of people that was led by a brother by the name of Darwin Susano. Who is Brother Darwin? Brother Darwin is a feast light planter. One day, he saw a group of guys down in his his condo building in an empty parking lot. And he saw a group of jeepney drivers hanging out and he just, you know, talked to them. And pretty soon it grew into something different. It became a relationship. And pretty soon, they started talking about God. And and before you know it, this group of brothers started praying and worshiping with Him. And they're here today. Can you raise your hands, mga kuyas, if you're there? Can we clap our hands for our light group of our jeepney drivers that we've helped since the time of the pandemic? They are evidence and proof that the offerings and the givings that you give here at the feast were able to change the lives of people and to give them hope and to encourage them that there is somebody who loves them that there is a promise of tomorrow welcome welcome thank you brother darwin brother darwin can you just raise your hand so everybody knows who you are that's brother darwin just an ordinary guy doing extraordinary things because he's powered by the holy spirit Thank you, Brother Darwin. Oh, it's so good. And for some of you, if not all of you who have brought somebody here at the feast, can you raise your hand if at one point in your life you were able to invite someone to the feast? Raise your hand. I want to honor you right now because you are our real heroes. Thank you for bringing people here at the feast. If you can see this, everybody, I want you to take a look upstairs. Real quick, for the people here, the people there, you don't, you don't see it, okay? But for the people here, I want you to see upstairs okay the second floor wave to the people there on the second floor hello (laughs) i want you to know if you're standing there on the second floor we're declaring that the day your days are numbered because in a few weeks you're not going to be the only ones there this place is going to be filled with the sound of worship and we're going to fill this place again but here's the thing i need your help can you tell the person beside you, Brother Audi needs your help? We need your help. I can't do it alone. Brother Bo can't do it alone. We need you to invite people to join us here at the feast. We got one session here every Sunday at 8.30 in the morning. And uh, next Sunday, we're going to be in Manila Hotel. Make sure you tell your family and your friends, we're going to be in Manila Hotel. We'll have two sessions, 8 o'clock. 1045. Why is that? Because the capacity is only 1,500, 1,800. So we want to make sure right now you are over 2,000 plus people. So make sure that you choose your your session. It's a first come, first serve basis, but we will be in Manila Hotel and we're going to have fun there. Okay? But right after Manila Hotel, we'll be back here in PICC. And I do hope and pray that we will completely fill this place with the sound of worship. Because really, you know, It's our job to prepare the place, but it's really God's job to fill it up. It's God's job. I I love what one of my, one of our leaders here at the feast always tells me, his name is Brother Butch Jugueta, and he says to me, kung si Lord ang nagutos niyan sa'yo, parati niya sinasabi, problema ni Lord yan. 
Hindi mo problema yan. Problema ni Lord yan. So Lord, this is your problem. You give us the solution. We have prepared the place. Go ahead and fill it up. Amen. Amen. I can feel the love of, of, of people here. And I want to thank you for, for celebrating uh, and putting God first today. But I want to I men- give a special mention to some people right now because it's May 1. And of course, we have people here celebrating their birthdays on the month of May. So if you are a celebrant for the month of May, can we ask you to lift your hands? Come on, keep, it, keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. Don't put it down. We want to acknowledge your presence right now. And so if you are beside somebody who is celebrating their birthday, can I ask you to just lay a hand over them? You don't need to physically touch them. Um, And we want to give them this special gift. You know, we are a spiritual family. And as a family, I believe that this is our, our joy and privilege to be able to celebrate together. And we want to give them that honor, the spiritual gift. Let's join our hearts and our intentions for this beloved child of God. As we all pray, Father in heaven, we thank you for giving us this wonderful person right here in our presence. And even though they are also online, Lord, we celebrate this momentous gift that you have given them. A chance, an opportunity to live life once again. We thank you that you are blessing them every area of their life. We don't even know, Lord, the things that you are going to do for their life this year, but we're already declaring and moving in faith, in victory, that it's going to be amazing plans because you are a good, good Father. And so we, with expectant faith, Father, we walk forward knowing that their lives are in good hands because you are in control. Expand their territories this year, Lord. Heal the broken parts of their life and give them that wonderful blessing that only can come from you. This is our prayer. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody says, Amen and Amen. Everybody shout, Happy Birthday! Amen. We also would agree, of course, everybody online, we never forget about you because you don't forget about us. You know, throughout the pandemic, you have always been there, but one day we hope that you can join us here in BICC or wherever we go because church is not a place. Church is when we do life together. And so that's what we're declaring, all right? Right after this session is done, we want to invite all our online audience to a special intimate gathering called Zumustahan. That's still going on, by the way. So please join us and connect with us. If you don't have a light group yet, go outside in the lobby and sign up today. If you feel like God is calling calling you to build your own small feast light, go outside in the lobby and also inquire today. All right? Everybody say, God is good. Today we're starting a brand new series. Last Sunday we had a special talk and I hope that blessed you. But today we're going to go into a five-week journey and study the life of this Old Testament character by the name of Jonah. How many of you know Jonah? Jonah who ran away from God's calling and it's called Depths of mercy. Our talk title for today is this. This is going to blow you away. It's called The Prophet Who Won't Preach. I wonder if there are any prophets in this place right now who feels like, I'm not equipped to serve God. I'm not equipped to, to, to go on mission. That's what we're going to talk about today. And so, if you're ready, are you ready? Say, I'm ready. All right, let's join our hearts right now as we signify the greatest symbol of love in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Everybody stretch your hands out. Come on, every single person from the front to the back. Say this with me. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Today, I open myself to the unbounded, limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's Word so that I become more like Jesus every day. Today, I proclaim that I'm God's beloved, I am God's servant, and I'm God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to lift up God's Word later, but right now I'm going to call somebody who will set up the foundation of our talk for today. So everybody, please welcome our dear, dear friend, Brother Bo Sanchez. Amen. Give a big hand to Audi Villarasa and our worship team. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Do sit down and tell somebody beside you, God will speak to you today. Welcome to our brand new series, Depths of Mercy. We're going to unpack the book of Jonah. Are you ready? Everybody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. We have two lofty goals today. The first one is to be able to read the book of Jonah. And in learning to read the book of Jonah, you will learn to read the Bible. I hope you're listening. The way Jesus read his Bible. Everybody say that. The way Jesus read his Bible. Now, I want you to know that it's very difficult to do that. I've been reading the Bible for ever since I was 12 years old. 12 years old, I was already reading this book. And it changed my life. But you know, over the past 40 years plus, one of the things I've learned is, how can I read the Bible the way Jesus read the Bible? And we're going to learn that through Jonah. Jonah is one of the most sophisticated, complex, intricate, intricately crafted writings in the entire scripture. Jump-packed in a typically one and a half pages. That's how short the book is. Typically in, in your Bible, it occupies about one page, one page and a half, and written by a brilliant Jewish writer. 2,400 years ago. Now, let's admit this. Raise your hand if the moment you hear Jonah, the first thing that comes to mind, whale. Raise your hand. Okay, most of us. Even if whale is not in the Bible. Whale was a mistake made 400 years ago by the translator of the King James Version, putting the word whale in the gospel where Jonah was mentioned. But no, my dear friends, let's admit it, that the way many people look at the book of Jonah is a children's story. Yes or no? It's a tale with a nice ending. But this is not only a problem of Jonah. This is a problem of the entire Bible. Many people still look at this book as a collection of bedtime stories with good moral lessons. I know that's redundant, but that's how we say it, right? The moral of the story is be a good boy, be a good girl. This is what the book is all about. But what we're going to learn is, no, it is so much deeper, so much more beautiful. And so here's my prayer for today and for this entire five weeks that we're going to cover and unpack Jonah, is that you will fall in love with Scripture all over again. And I pray that your hearts will be open. Let's pray for that. Can you put your hands over your chest with me? Can everybody say that? Let, I'm going to hold the Bible right here, put it on my chest, and let's say this prayer together. Jesus, in the next five weeks, help me to fall in love with the Word. Help me to learn how to read this book the way you read it. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read to you now. I have here three children's Bibles, and they've got great illustrations. And I'm going to use this one, the Young Reader's Bible, 70 easy-to-read stories. I read these three books to my kids when they were small as bedtime stories. I'm going to read to you now the story of Jonah according to a children's story Bible. I'll flash it on the screen so that you'll, you can read with me. A gulp and a great city from the book of Jonah. 
Go to the great city of Nineveh, God said to Jonah. Tell the people to change their wicked ways. Jonah did not want to preach to the people of Nineveh. He ran to the sea and got on a boat. God sent a storm on the sea. The sailors thought the boat would break. Dun, 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 dun. I am running away from God who made the heavens and the sea and the land. Jonah told the sailors, throw me into the sea and the storm will stop. Nice fish, huh? yellow. Okay. God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. Next page. Inside the fish, Jonah prayed. After three days, God told the fish to spit Jonah out into the land. Go into Nineveh, God told Jonah. This time, Jonah obeyed. Stop doing evil or God will destroy your city, Jonah told the people. The people and the king listened to Jonah and obey God, and God saved their city. The end. Nice story, right? Nice story. You know, happy ending. And they lived happily ever after. There's only one problem with this story. Ask me what? If you read the book of Jonah, it actually misses out, skips chapter 4. The whole chapter is gone. Not found here. And then I looked at the other Jonah stories in these other children's Bibles, and it's also not there. I'll tell you why. A children's story by nature will edit out the weird parts of the Bible. Are you with me on this? I've got news for you. 75% of this book are weird parts. And so when you put this into children's stories, you don't get the, compl the complexity. You don't get the nuances. You don't get the core message. A lot of people think that the book of Jonah is simply a story of a reluctant prophet who did not want to obey God, runs away, God chases after him, and he finally obeys God, the end. No, it's not. So, Brother Bo, what's the core message of the book of Jonah? You'll find out. We've got five weeks to unpack it. Are you ready? So actually, this, you know, can, can I say this? I'm not bashing children's Bibles. I'm not. In fact, I used them when my, when my kids were small. Every day I would read them. But you see, a children's Bible and the stories they're in serve a purpose. And the purpose is what? To be able, well, it, it's there. Children's Bible. It's a Bible for children. Can you look at the person beside you? Is that person a children? I've got news for you. This is an adult book. And you've got to approach it as such. So here's the thing. The problem with this is that even when people start reading the actual Bible, they still have a perception that this is still, you know, something with moral lessons and, you know, I just have to look at it and it's a simple children's book. No, it's not. It has a lot of weird parts and you need to go through it and understand and then when you realize, when you're able to read the Bible the way Jesus read his Bible, you're going to realize, oh my Gosh, it's really the Word of God. So, are these children's Bibles wrong? No. Here's what's wrong. People don't graduate from the caricatured understanding of the Bible. And so I want you to poke someone really hard on the arm and tell that, just, just say to that one person, just, just one word, graduate. That's what we need to do. We just need to graduate our understanding of Scripture. So before I hand over the microphone to Audie, let, let me tell you a, a story. Last week, my wife and I had a little fight. You want to hear about it? We rarely fight. Rarely. 
over, over the past 24 years of our marriage. But last week we did. And let me give you a little background. Wednesday, she had an overnight thing in Tagaytay with the core leaders of our Catholic Filipino Academy. You know, she, she, she has a presence there and she supports that. And so she went there and, you know, with a group of wonderful, wonderful uh, women friends. I would wake up at about 5.30 in the morning, but that night when she was not there, I woke up at 4.30, tried to go back to sleep, could not. And during that entire time, tossing and turning in bed, I would reach out to that spot, that space where she was there and she was not there. I felt, instead of feeling her, I, feel, I felt her, the emptiness. And so the bed was empty and I realized my heart was empty and I missed my wife. You see, she is my anchor. She is the person that calms me. She is the person that gives me my stability. And so I posted about it. I said, I miss my wife. That day in the evening, she arrived. The next morning at about 5.30, I woke up. And every 5.30, I wake up to bike. Every day, just bike. My exercise, I would bike to a coffee shop. I would read, spend time with the Lord. After an hour, I'd bike, bike home. When I woke up at 5.30, my wife was hugging me in bed. And she said, what can I bike? Dito lang. She missed me also. And I said, okay, I'll just stay for 10 minutes in my mind, 10 minutes, and then after that, I'll stand up again. But after 10 minutes, when I, when I was about to stand up, she said, Dito ka na lang. What can I bike? And then my logical brain started, and I said, you know, if I won't bike today, I won't be able to bike tomorrow because I have a talk early in the morning. And then the next day, I have a seminar also early in the morning. And then after that, it'll be the feast. I'll miss three days of not biking. And that's when she released me, turned to the other side, <laughs> and remained quiet. I want you to know that when those things happen, I'm, I'm, I'm 24 years a married man. I mean, hello, I know the language, right? I know what that meant. So I stayed put. I would dare not leave the bed. <laughs> After a few minutes, she asked me, oh, but then pa? <laughs> I want you to know something. This, this is, this is, can, can, Husbands who are, who are younger than me, please listen to an expert. <laughs> you know, I, I started saying, I'm sorry. And, you know, I, I want you to know there, there are three things. But, by the way, after about 20 minutes of, of the cold shoulder and all of that, she, she finally forgave me. And um, three reasons why my marriage is wonderful. First is... If she wants to fight me, I allow her to fight me. But I do not fight her. That's been my rule for the past 24 years. So I'll, I'll let her fight me. That's fine. But I won't. Because I'm the guy. I'm the leader. You got me? That, that's the, what a leader does. He sacrifices. Number two, I know how to say sorry. I've perfected the art of saying sorry. You don't say sorry kasi naman ikaw eh. You, know, you don't do that. You don't also say sorry, ha? Kasi ganun, kasi ganun, kasi ganito. I, walang kasi. When, when I say sorry, I, I say I'm sorry, period. I've invented 36,000 ways of saying sorry in the right way. I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I'm sorry, I was insensitive. I'm sorry. You know, you just, you know how to, so. But here's the third thing, and this is the reason why I bring up this story in setting up Jonah. The reason why we have an amazing relationship, amazing marriage, ask me why. why. I always 
try. Every time we have an encounter like that, every time we had a conflict, I will always set aside my perspective and try to take on her perspective. Do you understand me? No, you didn't. No, no, no. Put it this way. It's, it was so easy. You know, like, like, you know, when she turned her back and faced the other way, you know, it was so easy to, sobra ka naman. Nagbabike na nga yung tao. Don't you care for my health? Hello? It would have been so easy to present my perspective and say, babalik naman ako ha. Hindi naman ako magbabike hanggang Baguio. Hanggang ano lang. You know, I'll, I'll be back. Before you know it, I'll be there. Matutulog ka lang. You know, I, I could have insisted on my perspective. But then what? I realized, wait a minute. I set aside my perspective, my, are you listening to me? My prejudgment, my biases, my emphasis, my priorities. Set that aside. What is her perspective? She misses me. She was out for an overnight. She misses me. And I can't blame her. I <sighs> irresistible. <laughs> That's what you need to do with this book. Set aside and leave on the door your preconceptions your biases, everything you thought about that book. You know, just say, okay, all my, out at the door, I'm going to be humble in front of the Word, and I'm going to let the sacred text speak to me as is, where is. I'm going to get the perspective of the writer of this book, the writer of the book of Jonah. Who's this guy? Why is he so brilliant? Get his perspective. Get his for his background, get that. And then what is God's perspective for your life? You're gonna have an amazing five weeks. Audi, take over. Thank you, Brother Bo. Everybody say thank you, Brother Bo. Good job. Can I invite everybody to stand as we read, give a reverence to God's word? If you're online, do join us as well. We always want to give honor where honor is due. Everybody sing with me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I'll read to you the pieces of scripture right after, but I just want to pray with you very quickly if that's okay. Can you just bow down your heads? Feel the presence and the immense love of God flowing here and flowing where you are. Jesus, we thank you for this moment that you are here and that you are speaking. We need your word. More than anything else in this world, we need that word because your word is the only thing that will change us, that will touch us, and that will move us into action. So speak because your child is listening. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. One more time, everybody. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Give the Lord a big hand. Let's love Him today. You can take your seats again. Holy Spirit, use our time right now. Speak to us. Somebody say, speak to us. Here's the message that we want to give to you today. And I do hope that you can, because I can't possibly reach everybody here. Can you preach it to somebody beside you? Maybe the person on your left right now. Tell that person, God is more loving than you think He is. 
He really is. God is more loving than you think he is. So we're talking about Jonah, and you're learning about Jonah. We want to thank Brother Bo for setting up the stage for us to talk about this guy. Let's go to verse 1, put it up on the screen, and just give you the, the, the story. It says that the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go. Everybody say, get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. And then announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. One thing you got to know about Jonah is that Jonah is a prophet. And one thing that we know about prophets is that, you know, when you hear the word prophet, what's the first thing that, that comes to mind? They, they know how to predict. You don't know what a prophet is? <laughs> they, know, they know how to predict the future, right? That's what a prophet is. You know, just like, you know, our old childhood inspiration, Manang Bola, you remember that? Batibot. Took me years to understand that when I became mature, what Manang Bola symbolized. Manang Bola was just somebody na magaling mambola. You know, Manang Bola. So shout out sa lahat ng mga magaling mambola dito. Mga binobola ngayon. <laughs> but prophets, let me just say this to qualify this. Prophets don't necessarily know how to predict the future. You know what prophets are? Like, for instance, you got Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Hosea, all these uh, really famous prophets in the Old Testament. They didn't necessarily predict the future because sometimes it would feel like whenever you're reading Isaiah, he's talking about, you know, the future coming of this Messiah that he was talking about. But you know what they were doing? They were preparing and helping people understand the current situation based on the perspective of God. And so when God asked Jonah, the son of Amittai, to go and get up and go to the city of Nineveh, you know what God wanted from Jonah, from Jonah? He wanted Jonah to preach what was happening during that time in the perspective of God. But how does Jonah respond? Actually, Jonah doesn't even respond. That's the worst part. He's like that friend of yours who likes to scene zone your messages. you have any people like that in your life? Don't you just hate it whenever you send a message and then they read it and then they don't reply? You know what I don't like is that there are people that we message and then we message them and then they read it and then it takes them hours to reply and then sometimes it even takes days and sometimes it even takes a week. And by the time that they reply, it's only one letter. K. If somebody messages you like that, this is your script. You tell them, brother or sister, this is not wheel of fortune. You do not need money to buy a vowel to put it there. Just put okay. Okay? Okay? Okay. So Jonah did not respond to God just like that friend who seen zones us. Instead, how does he respond to God? With his feet, he walks to the opposite direction. Let's read that. It says here, but Jonah, verse 3, but Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, which is a boat city, by the way, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. That's where, that's where Jonah wanted to go instead of Nineveh. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Let me show you a very graphic illustration of what Jonah did. So you can, you, can, you can see the gravity of what Jonah did. Let's show this map. This is a map of where Jonah lived. It was a place called Gath Hefer. And if you can see that, the Bible says that instead of going up, he went in the opposite direction and went down in the city of Joppa. And you know, I can certainly imagine the symbolism of this. Sometimes in life, the reason why you, you and I struggle is because instead of going up, we go down. Instead of lifting yourself up, you lift yourself down. You bring yourself down. Sometimes, yes, I understand that there are people who will bring you down to their dysfunction. But you know what happens? You know what you need to do? Ask me what? You need to be the one to lift them up into your positive disposition. Don't let them drag you down into their dysfunction. And so instead of going up, Jonah went down. Let's show this other map. If you can see here, he lives in a place called Gath Hefer. And Nineveh, which is just, you know, right there, up, it's only 550 miles away from Gath Hefer. On the other hand, Tarshish, where he would wanted to go to run away, it's 2,500. 
hundred miles away. So imagine, if Jonah lived, for instance, in Makati. How many of you here live in Makati? Anybody here live in Makati? And then God tells you to go to Bulacan. You know what Jonah did? He booked a ticket to Holo. That's how crazy it was. He wanted to get away. Not only did Jonah go to the opposite direction, you know what he did? He went to the farthest destination possible. He wanted to run away from God. Why is that? I think for us to be able to understand why Jonah did what he did is that we need to first determine where is Nineveh in the first place? I mean, what is Nineveh? Quick history lesson for everybody here. Nineveh happened to be the biggest city during that time. It was the capital of Assyria. And Assyria was the, the baddest superpower during the ancient Israel regime. I mean, they were, they were really cruel. They were known to be cruel. In fact, whenever they would invade a city, you know what they would do? They would skin the, the, the enemies alive. They would impale their bodies. You know what impaling means? You barbecue them. You insert a stick up their bodies. And then they would even hang the decapitated, decaying bodies on the walls. Why? So that they, dis they could discourage other invaders from attacking them and from fighting against them. And so no wonder. I mean, imagine God saying, I want you to go to, the, to your worst and, and cruelest and baddest enemy. And then I want you to convince them to repent to the Lord. So you're like, uh, Lord, is there another job opening somewhere? <laughs> I mean, that's the worst job opportunity ever. So no wonder Jonah ran away. But why did Jonah run away? Was it because he, was, he felt that it was inconvenient? You know, I'm comfortable here already, Lord. You know, just send me to a place that I know already. Sometimes I feel like that's how we are when it comes to the Lord. Lord, send me on a mission. I'm ready. I'm hungry. I'm ready to go out. Send me out, Lord. But if it's okay, Lord, could it be just like 10 minutes away from my home so that every time I need to take a shower, I'm just nearby? And, and if possible, Lord, can it be that I don't talk to a lot of people because I don't like a lot of people. You know, I like people who are in my, in my home, but I don't like a lot of people. Sometimes we're like that. A calling is neither convenient or comfortable. So if you want to live in a life of calling, you got to step out. But is that the reason why Jonah ran away? Because it was inconvenient. Not really. Could it be possible that Jonah ran away because he was afraid? I mean, we've heard a lot of sermons about Jonah. And usually whenever they talk about Jonah, ah, the reason why Jonah ran away is because he was afraid. But you're going to find out when I read to you, when we go fast forward into this, that it wasn't actually fear that brought Jonah running away. And let me just say this before I read that verse to you, that sometimes the reason why people run away, it's not because they're scared. There are many reasons why people run away, but let me just preach the truth to you, that when you run away from God's calling in your life, when you get into a race between you and God, guess who gets tired first? Not God. You get tired. God will continue to chase after you, even if you run away from the Lord, because He's a God, not just of second chances, but a God of many chances. Can we give a big hand to our God? That's what He did to Jonah. If we're going to fast forward this a little further, I want you to know this story from this perspective, because in the next few weeks, here's what we're going to do. We're going to find out the story that Jonah ran away, and then he boarded a boat headed to Tarshish, because he wanted to run away from, from the Lord. And then when he got into that boat, for some reason, they encountered a storm. And so when the people who were in that same boat with him found out that it was because of Jonah who was running away from God's calling, you know what they did? They threw him overboard. With, their, with Jonah's permission, by the way. And then we're going to find out in the story how Jonah was swallowed by this giant fish, most probably the Leviathan whale that we read in the book of Genesis. And then we'll find out that God gives Jonah a second chance to go back to Nineveh. And Jonah does it because we've got a God of many chances. And I'm believing that. And then we find out that when Jonah preaches this five-word sermon, I don't know, even, even know how he does that. And then... To everybody's surprise, everybody listened to Jonah. 
the king, the servants, the people, including the animals, including the cows. You're going to find that out in, a mo- uh, in the next few weeks. But right now, let me read to you what happened. This is going all the way to verse 10. It says that when God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, they repented. He changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. And then here's the, here's the revelation of why Jonah ran away. This is going to shock you. This change of plans greatly upset Jonah. And he became very angry. So he complained to God, Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. And so he says, just kill me now, Lord. I would rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. And then the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry about this? What was Jonah doing here? Jonah was actually quoting a very famous passage from the book of Exodus. Let me read it to you. Exodus chapter 34, he says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I am slow to anger and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I lavish unfailing love to a thousand generations and I forgive inequity, rebellion, and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children, grandchildren, and the entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. So this is giving us a clue. It says here, let's go back. It says that, that, where is it? It says that this change of plans greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. So now we're getting a full view of why Jonah ran away. It wasn't because he was afraid. It was because he was angry. Now why was Jonah angry? I want you to imagine this. Let's say that you are a Jew. Only for a moment. You're a Jew and you're living in in, in Germany. And then all of a sudden the Nazis start to collect you one by one. And they bring you to concentration camps. And they torture you. You say goodbye to your parents, to your spouse, to your children, and then you never see them again. Imagine that you are one of the survivors of the Holocaust. A year later, after that whole incident of of that torture and suffering, that you witnessed everyone in your nation being obliterated, all of a sudden, you are now at peace. And then God says to you, I want you to go back to Germany, and I want you to tell the Nazis to repent. Question, would you do it? Come on, I need some answers. Would you do it? Really? So I guess we're not the same. (laughs) Honestly, remember these are the people who obliterated your your family. The reason why you are now alone in, in life. You know, the first reaction that I would give, I mean, just to be honest with you, of course not. I would be angry. I would be devastated. I mean, why in the world am I going to forgive these people? I mean, yes, we're called to forgive people, but the very first reaction, I'm telling you, that might be my first reaction, that I might not say yes to that. And God bless you if you say yes to that. But human, human emotions would get the best of us. And you know, that's how, how I was thinking about this. Imagine Jonah. His whole race, his whole nation had been obliterated by the Assyrians. And then God says to him, I want you now to preach to them, to repent. Aren't we like Jonah sometimes? I mean, let's be honest right now. When you've got an enemy, somebody who hurt you, somebody who hurt your family member, somebody who might have molested you when you were young, somebody who might have stolen something from you, your hard-earned money, somebody who might have maltreated you and mistreated you and abused you verbally, physically. The last thing that we would want is for God to forgive them. Am I correct? So when God asks us to talk to them, bring them to my church, we're like, hell no, Lord. I mean, they don't deserve your mercy. What they deserve is your fury. This is real talk right now. And I'm just being honest with you that that's the reason why Jonah felt like that. He was upset because he knew. He knew that the moment 
the Assyrians and the Ninevites repented, he knew that God is merciful and that God would be quick to forgive them. And so he didn't want to do that. The last thing that he wanted was for God to forgive them. This is the message of the story of Jonah. The message that there is a God who is merciful. That we've got a God who doesn't just give us a second chance, but many chances. We've worshiped a God who will lavish you with His mercy. And so that's the invitation for today, my friends. We are invited to experience this lavish, indescribable, incredible mercy of God. This is the story of Jonah. A man who was not a coward, but a man who was angry. And I wonder how many of you are experiencing the same thing right now, that you're angry over some things that have happened in your life. And you're angry because of someone who said they would love you, but they didn't. Somebody who said that they would respect you, but did not. I wonder if you can resonate and relate with Jonah right now. God calls you to receive His mercy and then dispense mercy to others. Can I invite everybody to stand up? Jonah is an Old Testament character. But it's not the last time that we hear about Jonah, especially in the New Testament, because there's a time in the New Testament where we hear about Jonah in the book of Matthew. Matthew tells us the story when Jesus was telling the Pharisees about this, when they were asking for proof or a miracle or, or a sign. You know what Jesus says to them? Jesus says, only an evil, adulterous generation would demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is a sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. The people of Nineveh will stand up against this generation on judgment day and condemn it for they repented of their sins at the preaching of Jonah. Now Jesus says, someone greater than Jonah is here, but still you refuse to repent. What is Jesus trying to say here? Jesus is saying he's the anti-Jonah. Jesus is the anti-Jonah. Think about it. Jonah disobeyed God ran away from God. But Jesus, he obeyed the Lord completely and absolutely. Jonah was swallowed up by a whale and he was there for three days. And just like Jonah, Jesus was also swallowed up by the belly of the earth and stayed there for three days. But he did not stay buried. He rose from the grave after three days in order to save you and I. When Jesus came, he wasn't like Jonah who was selfish. You know, he wanted to run away from the Lord because he only wanted God to forgive the people whom he loved. The people he felt deserved the mercy of God. But when Jesus came, Jesus made an announcement that the ones who are here, my grace is not reserved for the few, but it's available especially to those who need it the most. People who have been broken by this world. People who have been maltreated by this world. That's who deserves my mercy. So the question is that remains right now for you to ask yourself, are you Jonah or are you Jesus? Are you just like Jonah? You've got your enemies. You've got the people that you don't like. You don't want God to forgive them. You don't pray for them because you want them to suffer just like you suffered. Or are you like Jesus who would say, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. I want you to know this truth, my friend, and I need to preach this loud and clear to you because in a few days, you are going to elect an official. This has been the ugliest election season. Don't you agree? We haven't had this election season this ugly. I mean, people fighting with one another, people disconnecting with families, people canceling each other. This is the ugliest season that we've ever had. But I need to tell you this now, that once the election is done, whether or not your candidates win or lose, whoever gets seated on that place, I want you to know this and I want you, I do hope that you get to take home this message that mercy needs to begin. Because mercy is not just about forgiving people. Mercy is also about not quitting on people. Mercy is also about praying for people. 
Mercy is all, all also about, about, about being with people you don't like. That's the message of the gospel of the book of Jonah. That, that we would come as God's people to look at others that we don't like very much and say, God, I may not like them right now, but I'm praying for them. I'm praying that you convict them, Lord. I'm praying that they would realize the truth of the matter. I'm praying that they receive your mercy as well because I know that you love them. This is Jonah, my dear friends. Jonah who ran away, but we all know now that we don't have to be like Jonah. We need to be like Jesus who says, Father, forgive them. Though they know not what they do, and though sometimes they exactly know what they do, Father, forgive them. Let's be like Jesus who would receive that mercy because, hey, guess what? You and I are also sinners. You and I are also sinners. Sometimes we condemn other people not knowing that we got our sins as well. So let's be the first person today to receive the mercy of Jesus, to receive the palpable mercy of God. And as God fills us up with His mercy, let's be the representation of mercy, the messenger of mercy out there. Because God knows people need it. People desperately need it. The election is just one day. But the relationship, that goes on a lifetime. Let's stop canceling people. Let's stop quitting on people. Let's stop hurting people. Let's stop fighting with people because at the end of the day, we're all the same. We're all in the same boat, just like Jonah. And so can I invite you to just simply open your arms. If you need the love of God right now, come on. Don't be shy. Don't be embarrassed. Everybody here needs the grace of God. Father, we stand in your presence right now desperate, longing and seeking for your mercy. We are all sinners and we're broken. We're all incomplete. We've fallen short from your grace and right now, Lord, we just receive this. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for forgiving us for the things that we do not know, but also for the things that we know what we have done. We come to your throne right now, Jesus, full of confidence, knowing that you will not turn us away. Receive the love of God right now, my friends. Receive His mercy and receive His forgiveness. And then worship Him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph slash radio.